Feel free to grab a seat if you can, or maybe a patch of carpet if there's one around you. It's great at this time of year to become acquainted to people you don't yet know by sitting on their feet or just kind of <laughs> budging up next to them. I wonder what Christmas means to you. I'm from a huge family, so Christmas for me means loads and loads of people, means lots of food, lots of fun, lots of chaos, and lots of presents. And of course, when I was growing up, presents mean Father Christmas. And I don't know when you first suspected that Father Christmas might not be all that you had hoped for. I hope that's not this moment right now. And um, I remember vividly being six years old. It was Christmas Eve. The doorbell rang at our house. We rushed down the stairs full of excitement. Who could it be on Christmas Eve? We opened the door, and to my complete and utter astonishment, Father Christmas, the actual Santa, was standing on our doorstep. I couldn't believe of all the houses in the world that he had chosen ours to personally attend, and so we invited him in. He sat down on our sofa, and as he sat there, I looked at him, and the first thing I thought was, huh, and I just didn't really know how to put it into words, but I was expecting a little bit more. I mean, literally a bit more. He was a bit smaller than I thought he might be, and actually a bit slimmer, and he was just a bit scruffy around the edges, but I thought, well, you know, he's had a difficult month, and um, didn't think much of that. And then he said, ho, 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 do you believe in Santa? And even as a six-year-old, I thought, that's an odd question to ask. Like, you're sitting in front of me. Like, I mean, what, how do you respond to that? Like, I don't know. Do you believe in you? Like, do you believe you exist? And uh, I thought that was a little bit strange. And you know how it is when you meet a very famous person, because you've seen them so much on social media, online, on TV, you feel like you know them. You feel like you have an affinity with them. And as I took a step towards him, I thought, no, wait, it's not that. I do know you. And I looked a bit closer and I thought, wait, this isn't Santa. This is my dad's mate, Alan. And, <laughs> and I looked around the room and all my family members were kind of just smiling and playing out the charade. And I just thought, this is outrageous. And this indignation started to rise within me. And then Santa said, oh, what are you hoping I give you this year? And I thought, that's too much. So I said, nothing. <laughs> and he said, well, why not? And I said, because I don't believe you are Santa. Do you, Alan? <laughs> I was slightly melodramatic as a child. And, but I kind of thought, why pretend? He's either Santa or he's not. You know, there are quicker ways to get presents. And I wonder if for you, Christmas feels a little bit like that. You know, away in a manger is nice, a little nativity, but isn't it a bit implausible? Isn't it a bit far-fetched that the story of a baby born 2,000 years ago, 2,000 miles away, in a random corner of the Middle East, might have an impact on my life today? And maybe like me, you've experienced some tough times in this last year. Good times, but also some disappointments, you know, that gap between how you think things will work out and how they actually do. And you can feel, well, if I took a step too close to this Christmas story, if I looked too closely at it, maybe it would all just fall apart and that would just be one more disappointment. After questioning Santa, I decided that I should become a lawyer. And 
Actually, I worked as a criminal barrister for many years. Uh, I, I defended people um, accused of criminal offences, and over the years I defended hundreds, probably over a thousand people accused of crimes. And it's great that some of you can have made it out tonight. Uh, and every day for years, I was weighing the evidence about the cases, working out the facts about what would happen. And I'd cross-examine witnesses. They'd come into the witness box, they'd hold up a Bible like this, and they'd say, I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And I'd sit there thinking, well, we're going to see about that. And it might surprise you that sometimes they did not tell the truth. But one of the greatest surprises in my life was when I read the eyewitness evidence about the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I realized this is true. This actually happened. I realized that these eyewitness accounts were factual. But in addition to that, they were real. They were authentic. There was a truth about them. People had established a real connection with Jesus and his real presence with them had transformed their lives. I've been struck over the last couple of weeks how important that real connection is. I was talking with a friend about AI and artificial intelligence and I'm sure you've read the blog posts and seen all the stuff online. People getting a little bit nervous about it. And there's so much good that AI has brought into our lives. And someone said to me that the impact of AI on our lives is going to be as significant as the introduction of electricity. And already you see its impact. You know, I wake up in the morning, I turn on my laptop. My laptop encourages me at the start of the day. Well done. You're starting early. Good way. I write a few emails. My email server says, good job. You're crunching through them. Keep going. My phone, a little bit like I'm dating as a teenager, sends me mixtapes, like playlists that I think I might like, and they're good. It knows me really well. It's like in all these different areas, it's emerging. But my friend said to me, the thing is, Steve, AI can't feel emotion. It can only feign emotion. It doesn't actually care how you're doing. It can only pretend to care how you're doing. And I was quite struck by this because you know, when you're struggling, I actually don't want a text message from a, a software, piece of software to say, are you okay? I'd love a phone call from a friend to check in on me. You know, when I've made a mistake and hurt someone, I don't want my computer to say, don't worry about it, it's not that big a deal. I want the person I've hurt to say, it's okay. I forgive you. And even at his birth, Jesus attracted people who desperately needed a real connection. I used to think that the, the, the nativity story was a story about perfect people who had so tidied up their lives, who were so holy and amazing that they had been chosen to gather around this kind of glowing baby. And I thought, well, that's not really how I'm wired. My life's a bit more messy than that. My life's a bit more complicated than that. Maybe you feel like that tonight. Maybe your relationships are a bit more complicated. Maybe your family's a bit more complicated. Maybe you've got a difficult boss. Maybe you are a difficult boss. And you can think, well, I don't really fit in. But at the birth of Jesus, you had people whose lives were complex, who desperately needed grace and truth. You had Mary, so young, so vulnerable, facing all the complexity of having a baby before she was married in a culture where everyone would have had an opinion about that. Everyone would have had an opinion about her. 
You had Joseph, probably trying to work out how he ended up so far from home, trying to support his fiancée as she gave birth to a baby which wasn't his. Hoping, trusting that this baby they would raise together, this baby he had adopted and was trying to craft as a carpenter into a family, might be the one who would enable millions, billions to be adopted as children of God. And then the shepherds, I mean, how awkward is this? You know, you're in the delivery suite and then a bunch of randoms just pitch up. They're not even invited. Hi, we've never met before, but we just thought we'd come and hang out. How's it going? Well, we've just had a baby in difficult circumstances. What's your name? Why do you smell? I actually have a, a real affinity with the shepherds. Uh, I once played a shepherd in a school nativity play. There were three shepherds. I was the second shepherd, which as I'm sure you know is quite an important role. And uh, what we had to do in the play was we had to bring gifts and give them to the baby Jesus. And so the first shepherd came on and had to bend down and give the gift of an actual sheep to the baby Jesus. And, and that's a very generous present, you know, Fair's fair, but it's completely impractical. I mean, what is he going to do? Ride it? I mean, it's like, you know, so that was the first shepherd, and then I, the second shepherd, I had to come and give him my cloak, which is generous and practical. You know, so he was nice and warm, the baby Jesus, nice little blanket for him. And then the third shepherd turned up, and he didn't actually have uh, a gift at all, but he had to say, I have nothing to give you, but I give you my heart. And that's a pretty good line. I mean, that's, that's a pretty good line. Anyway, so the big night came. And we all came out, the three shepherds, and, uh, and the first shepherd came and gave his sheep to the baby Jesus. And, and then I stepped forward to give my cloak to the baby Jesus. And I realized in all the excitement of the big night, I'd left my cloak backstage. And I looked down at the baby Jesus. I looked out at the audience. I looked back at the third shepherd. I looked down at the baby Jesus and I said, I have nothing to give you but I give you my heart. The look of hurt and betrayal on the face of the third shepherd. He stepped forward and said, I have nothing to give you, but I give you my heart. I like to think he's forgiven me now, all these years later, but I'm not sure. You see, I need forgiveness. I make mistakes. I mess up. I let other people down. I let myself down. I let God down. And if our greatest need was someone who could say, it's all all right, it's going to be fine, we're on the upward path, there's nothing to worry about, God would have sent us a politician. If our greatest need was money, God would have sent us a billionaire. But our greatest need was forgiveness. And so God sent us a saviour. The name Jesus means the Lord saves. I was listening this week to Jacob Collier's and Sean Mendez's uh, new track, and uh, on it, there's a few bars from Stormzy, which I love. He says this, Have mercy on them, Lord. I know you're with them in the storm. Even though it's hard to see, have mercy on them and be with them. And if grace doesn't cut it, then your mercy will suffice. I think he sums up in just a few words. A deep need at the heart of the human condition. That we know on some level we're not supposed to do this thing called life on our own. And we need help. We need mercy. Your mercy meets you. Doesn't confront you with the consequences of your actions. 
It shields you from them. It helps you when you most desperately need help. But actually, even more significant than mercy is grace. And grace is the gift of what you could never earn yourself if you spent a lifetime trying. And grace is what Jesus gives you. His joy, his peace, his hope, his purpose. You see, I realized that the very things I thought kept me from Jesus meant I couldn't go anywhere near Jesus, meant I didn't belong with Jesus, were the very reason that he had come close to me. Jesus knows you to the bottom of your soul, all of the good, all that you're proud of, all you push to the surface and try and impress people with, all of the bad, all you're ashamed of and try and bury and hide. He knows you to the bottom of your soul and yet he loves you to the sky. And he came, yes, as a baby. And he grew up and he died on a cross for you. And he rose again for you so that you might know forgiveness and freedom and you might be able to approach God as a child of God, a much-loved daughter, a much-loved son. You see, it might not look like much, this baby. So tiny, so vulnerable. I wish I could show you the difference Jesus makes to your life. I wish I could describe how amazing he is, how he spoke words that are so powerful, they still transform people's lives today. They still set people free today. How he pours into our lives such grace that the most painful regrets in your life lose their sting how his unflinching, unending love holds you tighter than you could possibly hope on your worst day and on your best day. How he won't disappoint you. And the closer you get to him, the more you realize he is who he says he is. And in him, in an authentic, real relationship with him, is found life and life in all its fullness that he came to enable you to be even a child of God and that you can encounter him afresh tonight, full of grace and truth. Amen.